0: Oh, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas out there right now. And it has been, right? For months and months and months, the retail stores seem to put out Christmas decorations earlier and earlier and earlier. And of course, we all have that one guy, that guy, in the neighborhood who leaves his Christmas lights up year round. So it begins to look a lot like Christmas because you still see him. Well, now, those lights are on. And so are the lights on millions and millions and millions of homes because we're, we're in that Christmas season. Couple of weeks and the 24th, the 25th, they are going to be here in all their Christmas splendor. Did that get your gut to churn just a little bit? Do you have so, so much left to do on your to-do list? If you're anything like me, you're not even close. Not even close to being ready for Christmas. That list is so, so long. Are you still hunting through your phone and looking and looking to find that perfect picture? That perfect picture to put on your your Christmas card to send out to everybody? Because people might have forgotten what you look like. Or maybe you do the Christmas letter. Uh, If you do, you are better than I am. We did that for a while. We eventually had that slip away. But writing that Christmas letter, it's difficult. I mean, you don't want your life to come across as braggy. You don't want your life to come across as kind of shabby or boring, and you gotta rhyme and make it fun and be short and creative and on and on. That's a lot of stress. Plus, addressing all the envelopes and sending them out, the list goes on and on. Not just for that, but decorating. How about you? We're big decorators in our house. We love the Christmas lights and all the decorations. So that's a lot of time. That's a lot of effort. There's sweet treats to make. There's leaves, probably outside still, to rake. I mean, that list goes on and on. Why? Why do we do it? Why do we out uh, overstress, uh, try to outdo ourselves? We, we do it all the time. And this time maybe isn't so merry. It isn't maybe the most wonderful time of the year because of all the stress and all the anxiety that's on us. Because we try to out-Christmas last Christmas. We try to make Christmas so magical when we really should be just focusing on how to make Christmas meaningful. How much of what you do is is truly essential? I mean, truly, truly essential to your Christmas celebration. What if a bunch of it went away? Now, I love the Christmas decorations. I just said that. But what if you barely decorated this year? Would Christmas still come? What if you didn't send out a Christmas card? People know what your face looks like and they can find you on uh, social media out there. What if you didn't send that out? Would Christmas still come? I love uh, Christmas cuddle cookies. It's actually one of the few cookies I actually enjoy. My ideal Christmas cuddle cookie has barely any frosting on it. I know I'm weird. And and no sprinkles. I don't really like the sweets. I just like the cookie. Um, If I don't eat one Christmas cuddle cookie, if you don't eat any Christmas cuddle cookies, will Christmas still come? Of course. Of course it will. But we put so much pressure on ourselves to outdo last Christmas that we lose the focus. Where are you struggling? Where are you feeling overwhelmed? What, what could you cut out of your Christmas this year? What could you lose? And maybe that's a tough thing to, to answer because we like all the stuff that we do. So let me put it this way. What if it was five days away from Christmas? What would you not stay up past your bedtime to get done? Anything on that list, you could probably get rid of. Because so often the stuff that we do really doesn't have meaning anymore. And that's what we hear from Solomon. Solomon, the the wisest person that has ever roamed this planet. Solomon who had wisdom on top of wisdom. And he said this, Meaningless. Meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. This year, this Christmas, rather than overburdening yourself, this year, this Christmas, rather than overscheduling yourself, drop, lose the stuff that's lost It's meaning. Focus only on what is truly essential for Christmas. And what is that? Faith and family. Anything else and drift to the the side. So my hard question for you right now is, what are you going to drop? What are you going to lose? So that you have more time to focus on Savior and more time to focus on your family. That's the challenge. Wrestle with that. Pray about it. Make a decision. And you're going to see a change. So, do you have all of your Christmas shopping done yet? Yeah, I don't either. Oh man, that list, that Christmas list, it is so long and it just seems to grow and grow and grow. Not in just the number of people, but the amount of money that we have to spend. We put so much pressure on ourselves to buy and buy and buy when we go out there Christmas shopping. And I don't know if you're like me, you might be out shopping and you find this one thing and you go, man, that's that's perfect. That's, that's perfect for my friend." And you go and you buy that and now you go, wait a second, the other friends that are in that circle, if, if they don't get a gift too, are, are they going to get offended? And so then you put it down and you go, yeah, I, I can't buy it because I, I can't afford that expense. We have so much pressure on us, on our gift giving. And we have limits too. Like, let's say you're, you're shopping and you got a $50 limit and you find the perfect gift for 40 bucks. What do you do? You go out and you buy $10 more of this junk of just stuff to go to that $50 amount because your conscience bothers you. There's pressure on top of pressure with this gift giving. Did you know that over 50% of Americans cannot pay off the credit card bill in January? Overspent so much at Christmas, and it's just gotten out of hand. A number of years ago, I preached a sermon series at my church, and I challenged people to think differently about Christmas. And this was the challenge in one of the first messages. Just spend 50% less on Christmas this year. Find out how much you spent last year and then dial that baby back about 50%. Because so often the gifts that we give, they, they really don't matter. They, they turn into junk. And yeah, people might be excited for a while, but, but then it's gone. Perfect example. Tickle Me Elmo. Do you remember those guys? Over six million Tickle Me Elmo dolls were made and purchased. How many of those things are still around? The grand majority of them, I would guess, would be in the landfill. And yet, people went nuts not just buying them, but kind of black market buying them. Some of the prices people spent were ridiculous on them. And they're trash, they're junk. The stuff of this world doesn't matter. Now, when I preached that, and we had that in our sermon, uh, we had this one little girl. She's sitting in the front. And when it was said in the sermon, spend 50% less on Christmas, she literally (laughs) looked up at her mom and dad and went, I mean, it was just growling them down and going, you better not. You had better not do that. But let me tell you, that girl is probably like any other child. What does that child really want? What is the most precious thing to that child? And that's more attention, more love, more focus from mom and dad. That's the gift that really matters. I heard about this kid that was in grade school recently who was told along with all the other classmates to to draw out something, anything, whatever came to mind. And so the kids drew out all their pictures and the teacher was going around and looking at the pictures. And came to this boy and said, well, that's nice. What is that? And he goes, "Oh, well, it's a cell phone. And the the teacher goes, oh, do you want a cell phone? She go, he goes, no, I I kind of wish I was a cell phone. Because if I was, my dad would pay more attention to me. Our kids are starving. They're, they're yearning for more attention and more love from their parents. So distracted by the screen. And it's not just little kids and uh, middle-aged parents. There's elderly parents that are yearning and wanting more attention and more love from their middle-aged children. You know what the best gift is? The the absolute best gift that you can give this Christmas. It's the present of your presence. That's the best gift. And isn't that, isn't that exactly what Christmas is all about? That is what God in heaven gave to you. He gave you the, the best gift ever. He gave you the present of his presence. For God so loved the world. And how do you show that love? Not by giving you a big screen TV. Not by giving you the latest gaming. Not by giving you an incredible vacation. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God gave a gift that gives back. God gave the gift of his Son. And with Christ dying on the cross and Christ going from manger to that cross. Dying. And coming alive, God gave the gift, Jesus gave the gift of your presence with our Father in heaven. That's what this Christmas is all about. So if you're struggling in your gift giving, learn from the Master. Give the gift, the present of your presence. And that's a gift that keeps on giving. In my first video in this series that we're in right now, I asked you the question, if you have less decorations this year, will Christmas still come? And of course the answer to that question is yes, of of course, Christmas will come. And when I was preparing and and writing out these devotions on my laptop and I happened to write out that question, that question just hit my heart like a thud. Because it reminded me of the Christmas when my wife and I didn't really decorate. We didn't have the emotional space to be able to decorate. Many of you know this story. Many of you have walked with me on this journey. I've recorded some videos on this about the time where my wife and I lost our son. Martin. Martin Jonathan. We lost him just a a couple of days, or excuse me, a couple of weeks before Christmas came. Uh, He was a stillborn. His twin sister, Maggie, survived. So we had death and we had life in one day in our arms. It was really tough. When we got back, from the hospital after that. It was Christmas season. It was getting ready for everything. And we just sat there on the couch and just emotional and destroyed and a weight of heaviness was on us. And we just couldn't decorate. It was so hard. Eventually my wife said, we really, we really should at least get the tree up. At least let's go get that tree up. And so I forced myself off the couch, I marched upstairs, I went into the attic, I I got that big, heavy box out, and I carried it downstairs, and I thumped it on the floor. And there it sat. I I couldn't open it. it. Took a couple more days. Finally we said we just gotta do this. And so we got the tree put together, fluffed the branches as best we could. I slapped some lights on it, not my meticulous way of doing it, just so there was a little bit of light. And there it sat. There it sat. My wife would take beautiful ribbon, um, beautiful and, and just perfectly, meticulously put it around the tree. We would decorate, it, was, it would be so gorgeous. And my wife, uh, several days later after I got the tree up, grabbed that spool of yarn, looked at it, shoved it in the tree and sat down and said, there, decorated. And we cried more. Christmas can be hard. When, when you're dealing with the loss of a loved one, Christmas can be so, so hard. And maybe for you, maybe for you, this is your first Christmas without a grandparent. First Christmas without a child that, that passed away. First Christmas where you don't have that spouse that's there through death or through divorce. If if that's you, if you are dealing, if you are just rolling in emotions right now because of death in Christmas time, validate it. Validate those emotions. It's okay. It is okay to cry. And I didn't know how this was going to go. I literally was in front of my classroom. I teach a bunch of seniors religion in high school and I told them the story of us losing our son Martin and I wept like a little child that entire time. And I was hoping and praying that I would hold it together for this. And right now, I'm doing okay. Times it hits you, times it doesn't. And for you, that death of a loved one might not be, might not have been just a couple weeks ago. And it might have been years and years since a loved one died. But Christmas can be so hard. If that's you, validate those emotions. It's okay. It's okay to cry. What's on the inside, let it out. If you need to scream, scream. Just let it out. If you need to cry, cry. And that's not that weakness. It isn't. It just isn't. Maybe for you Christmas is hard because finances are just strapped and they're, they're tight and they're tough and you don't know how you're going to pay for it. And, and truth be told, on the inside, you, you feel a bit like God's stiffed yet Christmas. That, that God isn't providing and God isn't there. And so you're a little, little miffed, a little angry. Well, your emotion is the insight, you gotta validate what is there so you don't suppress it. Because that's what happens. We suppress our emotions and they bubble out and they explode. Because hurt people hurt. What's hurting you this Christmas? Whatever that pain is, whatever that emotion is, besides just validating it and just understanding that that is what I feel, you gotta let it out. You just got to express it. And one of the best things that you can do is to find someone, just anyone, someone that you can express your hurt, your pain to. As raw as it is, as real as it is, let it out. Let it out. But after you do that, after you express it, you got to fill, you got to fill your insides with the power of God's word, with the peace of God's love for you. What's your go-to passage? What's your section of scripture that you are leaning on, that you are drawing strength from right now? If you don't have one, just Google. Google Bible passages about depression. The Bible passages about loss. Bible passages about peace. And, and read through them and find something that just talks, that, that talks to your heart and gives you comfort. God tells you, He tells you, in 1 Peter 5, to cast all your cares, all your anxiety, all your hurt, no matter what it is, onto him. Why? Because he cares for you. God tells you in Galatians, chapter 6, to find someone that you can express your hurt, your harm, your sin, the way that you have not dealt well with anxiety and anger. And express it to them and leave it with them and hear their words of forgiveness and love come to you. God says to you in in Psalm 34, that he's close to the brokenhearted. So if your heart's broken, if it's hurting, it's not that God's abandoned you. God is there for you. He's surrounding. He promises you. He promises you in in, um, in Matthew, chapter 28, that he's never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. If for some reason, if for some reason you feel like you're not as close to God as you once were, it's not that God moved. We did. Our focus did. So validate your emotions, whatever your pain, whatever your hurt is right now in your life. Validate that they're real. Express those to God. Express those to a friend. And and get them out of you. And then be filled. Be filled with the truth that this Christmas season, God loves you. Your life, he loves you. He loves you because he sent his son. He loves you because that son grew. He loves you because that son became the one who went to the cross. He loves you because he destroyed death. He loves you because he will never leave you, never forsake you. God is there for you. Your pain is real. But so is God's love. And God's love is bigger. May that give you peace. But no matter what you're going through, know that God is always always there for you. And with him, everything is going to be okay. During this time of the year, during Christmas, there's, man, there's so much pressure. There's so much uh, stress that's on us and anxiety that piles up and, and builds up. And it causes people to crack. And people crack in different ways. The pressure that is on us can all of a sudden sometimes have some pretty, pretty deadly consequences. As the producers were talking to me and asking what I would record during this week, they gave me the encouragement and they asked me the question, would you be willing to talk on suicide? Because they noticed that during this time of the year, this time of Christmas, any video that we have connected to suicide has has spiked. It has gone way up there with all these views because of that pressure, because of that stress that we we put on ourselves. And so, of course, I said, yes, absolutely. be happy to talk on that. In fact, they recorded a whole week-long series on suicide. And we're going to link that in the description after this video. You'll find the link for that uh, week-long series. I'd love for you to watch it and I hope it gives you peace and gives you comfort. I'm comfortable talking on this because I just talked on it with my students. Many of you know I have shifted from being a pastor in a church to being a pastor in a school and I'm and I'm working with seniors right now. Let me tell you, I am blown away by how many of them, either in writings to me, in assignments, or personally have come and talked to me, and they've told me that they've attempted suicide. How many of them are struggling with just the emotional uh, pain? Unknown. That is life. And it's not just there. It's the teenagers as well that I did, uh, work with in my church. I, I, I sat in my church and back when I was a pastor of a church, and I had uh, countless people, I mean, I honestly cannot remember how many people, countless people, that have sat in my office chair across from me and said, I wanted to end it all. People that told me how they attempted. And by God's grace, they survived. Friends, this is real. Suicide is real. The, the pressure, the stress that is on people cause many people to make that permanent decision to that temporary pain and discomfort that they're in right now. And way too often, way too often, we're silent. Because we don't want to offend someone. We don't want to hurt them. We don't want to give them the idea to think about suicide. And so we say nothing. Don't say nothing. Don't say nothing. If you see someone who you think is really hurting, Say something. Just say, how are you doing? I ran into a friend recently. And I hadn't seen this guy in a while. And I could just tell, I just tell a bit by his body language. Even walking up, that things were heavy. And I didn't go up to him and I didn't say, Hey man, how you doing? I went up to him and said, Hey man. Honest answer, man. How you doing? He instantly started crying. Broke down about what was going on in his life at that moment. but. He knew I cared. There's a, there's a great video. Uh, a great video that I want you to watch. We're going to link that as well in the description. And it's the story of Kevin Hines. Kevin has the distinction of being one of, one of very, very few people, if, if only him, that survived a suicide attempt off the Golden Gate Bridge. It's an incredible, powerful testimony. And let me tell you, one of the things Kevin said is he thought No one cared. He thought no one um, loved him. And if just one person, if just one person had said something and, and leaned into him and showed him love, it would have changed everything. Be that one. Be that one who stops your life for just a moment and pours into someone else who's hurting. Be that one. And if you, if you on that flip side are the one who's struggling, if you, if you are the one who thinks that no one cares and no one loves you, and I bet, I bet if I end my life, no one will care and no one will notice, you could be farther from the truth. More people care about you. More people love you. Than you probably could ever, ever imagine. And that starts first with Christ. No matter what you're facing, he is there never leaving your side, always loving you. No matter what you've done in your life, you go, how could I get past that? God always, always loves and forgives. When you say, God, please forgive me, what have I done? Anything can. And anything is forgiven. God has this really amazing thing that he says. He says to, uh, to Abraham, he told Abraham, Abraham, I am, I am your shield and your very great reward. And if you're struggling right now with all the pressures of this world and it has entered your mind, maybe, maybe, maybe I should just end it all. Remember that verse. That God is your shield. Because you're feeling probably right now like, I can't, I can't take it anymore and I can't handle it anymore. Then stand behind the shield. Because God is your shield. And he is the one that will take every attack and every lie that comes from that just Dirty devil! He will keep you safe. But when you stand behind it, that's when you're safe. That shield. A shield protects you as you move forward. But you know a shield? The shield is made stronger. A shield is made stronger when you link that shield up with other shields. And so if you are struggling with the ultimate decision that can mean your end link your shield up with someone else. Go to someone that you trust and let them know your pain and your hurt. And if you, if you see someone that you see is just broken or just a little off, just go up to them and be the one that gives them peace this Christmas time and throughout our entire lives. Stress is going to be there. Pressure is going to be there. And what does God say? Come to me. I'm not just your shield. I'm your reward. I'm your everything. When you feel like you have nothing. May God give you peace. May God give you strength. And if you're struggling, call that suicide hotline. we am going to put the number up here right now. Reach out to someone that can help. And know that others care. Know that God cares. And know it's all going to be better when you open up. God's peace to your heart. So how well do you think that you know the Christmas story? And when I say the Christmas story, I mean specifically just the words of the Bible just what Matthew and just what Luke reveals to us about our Savior and his birth. Because a lot of times what we think we know or what we have in our mind of the Christmas story is a little shaded, a little colored by all the Christmas songs that are out there. So i got a challenge for you. A challenge for you to take a Christmas quiz to see how well you actually know what God said. I thought it'd be fun to kind of end the week this, uh, this way. We've had some pretty heavy stuff that we've talked on. This will walk our way into the weekend really well. Here we go. 10 questions. How well do you think you'll do? 10 out of 10. 8. 5. If you're watching this with someone else, tell the person next to you how well you think that you'll do. All right. Ready? Here we go. Number one. Shortly after Mary became pregnant. A. Joseph married her. B, Mary left Nazareth. C, Joseph wanted to end their relationship. D, an angel told them to go to Bethlehem. E, both B and C. Or, F, both B and D. This is going to be tough, just so you know. Hopefully you wagered where you think that you're going to get this right. So giving you a little extra time to reread some of the answers or the choices that are there. I'll, by the way, I'll reveal all the answers at the end. So hopefully, you got your answer locked in. Number two, here we go. On the journey to Bethlehem, Mary and Joseph walked, rode a bus. Probably that's what it is. Oh, I shouldn't give you help. Never mind that. C, um, Joseph walked and Mary rode a donkey. Or the last choice, the Bible doesn't say. All right, got your answer locked in on that one. The next one. Who directed Mary and Joseph to go to Bethlehem? An angel? Caesar? Herod? Or Tiny Tim? Clearly, it's probably not Tiny Tim. Don't answer that one. All right, next one. Here we go. Number four. This one might be tricky. We'll see how well you do. How many angel or angels first spoke to the shepherds? So you got a couple of answers in here. You got one, two, Gabriel and Michael. Next answer, a multitude. Or the final one, none of the choices. Which of those is right? All right. Five. What are the first words the angel in the angel song to the shepherd? All right. What are the first words in that song? A- Joy to the world, you can maybe hear it singing in your head right now. B. Glory to God in the highest. C. Mary did you know? Or D. None of those choices. So think through what did the angels sing. All right, 6. What animals were present at Jesus' birth? Cows, sheep and camels? Cows, sheep and Joseph's donkey? Lions, tigers, and mares, please someone say, oh my, if they haven't already. Or the last choice the Bible doesn't say. So what animals were present at Jesus' birth? Got it? All right, here we go. Next one, seven. When did baby Jesus cry? When he saw the wise men? Whenever babies cry? No crying he makes? Or when the cattle started lowing? And of course, the baby wakes Which one was it there? Eight. What sign were the shepherds to look for? A star that was over the stable, a barn with Christmas lights, a baby in a manger, or A and C. So what sign were the shepherds to look for? All right, some of these are going to be tricky. Not that I'm saying the last one was tricky. This one might be tricky. We'll see. Here we go. Nine. What did the innkeeper say? I have a stable available. There's no room in the inn. Both A and B, or none of the choices. What did the innkeeper say? Final question. If you've been not doing well, here it is. You can rock this. You're going to get this. Ten. When the wise men came, where did they find Jesus? In a manger? in a house, in a church, or none of the choices. Where do the wise men find Jesus? All right, you did it. You completed it. You got the 10 questions down. Now we're going to see, now we're going to figure out how well you did on this. So, number one. Shortly after Mary became pregnant, the answer there, of course, of course, is E. Mary left Nazareth and Joseph wanted to end the relationship. Most people remember about the relationship ending, but not Mary leaving. Did you get that one right? Two, on the journey to Bethlehem, Mary and Joseph, D is correct. Christmas cards, everyone you see, Mary's riding the donkey, and I get it, she's great with child, as the Bible says, but it doesn't ever tell us that in the Bible. That's what you see on Christmas cards. So D is the correct answer there. Three, who directed Mary and Joseph to go to Bethlehem? I'm guessing a lot of people got this one right. The answer there is B. Because Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken that led them into Bethlehem. So hopefully you got that one right. Four, how many angel or angels first spoke to the shepherds? And the answer there is not a multitude. It's A. It's A. Did you know that? Only one angel first appears. Later, the multitude shows up. I might have tricked you there. Sorry, on that one. Five. What are the first words in the angel's song? And if you're going through your Bible and your mind, if you've heard this before, you're like, Glory to God in the highest. That's what the angels um, sang. No. The words are right, but the angels didn't sing. So this question is wrong. The angels spoke those. Yes, I am tricky. Um, now you don't want to be in my classroom because I teach and I might trick the students. I might be tricking you. I'm sorry. All right, six. What animals were present at Jesus' birth? And the answer there is not lions, tigers, lions, tigers and bears, but it's D. The Bible doesn't say. It doesn't mention any animal specifically there. So the answer is D. Seven. When did baby Jesus cry? And the answer here is whenever babies cry, uh, B. The uh, song, Away in a Manger, says no crying he makes. But the Bible doesn't say that. So, whenever babies cry, uh, B is the correct answer. Eight. What sign were the shepherds to look for? And the answer there for the shepherds is C. The wise men followed the star. But not the shepherds. The shepherds were only told to find the baby in a manger. Two left. Nine. What did the innkeeper say? And the answer here is D. 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 Did you know that? The Bible never mentions an innkeeper. That's in song after song after song. But it's not in the Bible. That was added in. If you've not been doing well, last chance to redeem yourself. Here we go. Question number 10. When the wise men came, where did they find Jesus? And the answer is B. Did you know that every single nativity scene that you've seen is wrong? Uh, This shows the wise men coming in and Jesus is in the manger and the stable and the stars. False. The Bible says that when the wise men got there, Jesus was in a house. So how'd you do? Did I trick you? on a number of these. So often, our understanding of what the Christmas story is, is is shaded or a little different because of songs. So my encouragement to you is this. Go into the book of Matthew. Go into Luke. Matthew 1 and 2. Luke 1 and 2. That's where you're going to find the story of Jesus. And just read it. Read it again as if for the first time. And see how God pours the gift of his Son into our lives. Have a great Christmas season. I hope you had fun with the quiz. I hope you did well. Have a great day. God bless you all. Hey everyone, Pastor Mike here from Time of Grace. Thank you so much for investing your limited time to grow in your faith with us. But could I ask you for one more favor? I'm sure you're itching to check out social media or go on to the next part of your day but you could do a huge help for the kingdom of God if you would rate and review this podcast. Just taking a few seconds of your time will help other people to find time of grace, which matters so much to us because we want people to hear about grace, to hear about Jesus, to hear about eternal life. So thanks for taking a little more time. We pray that God blesses you with a great day and we'll see you soon.